Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guests who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hello, mamas. I'm so excited to have Karen D with us today because she's one of my favorite people. Um, she happened to reach out on Instagram for some help for mama system stuff and organizing. And I kind of fell in love with her. And we started talking about our kids and how they have special needs. And Karen D just, ah, she's helped our family so much in creating wonderful mouths for our people. And so um, she's a speech therapist, just to, give that little background, but I'm going to let her introduce herself because I don't think that I would do it correctly, actually, in describing her expertise. So go for it, Karen D. Okay. Excellent. So I am Karen DeYoung. I'm a speech language pathologist and my background is in a hospital setting. So in the medical speech language pathology field, which is a little different Um, But I do like to make that distinction because my background is from swallowing and brain injury and spinal cord injury that informed a lot of my training and experience up until a few years ago when my own children started having these chronic ear infections. And I couldn't understand what was going on because I was doing everything the right way. I was listening to the ENTs and I, I said I was in the hospital system. I was very much like, we've got this, we're going to do everything by the book. And it was not resulting in the outcomes that I wanted. So I did more research and found that if you're not getting your tongue up, when you swallow, if it's not going up high enough in the back of the mouth, you're not opening your eustachian tubes. So you're not popping that pressure that you need to basically get the pressurized um, system of the ears. And so you're going to have ear infections. And I was like, wait, why is this not happening? Which led me down the path of understanding things like tongue ties and how they develop the face. So we'll get into that a little bit more, but I like to provide that information because I have walked this journey myself and I have learned how hard it is to acquire knowledge in this space. And which is unfortunate because this is my specialty. I'm a speech language pathologist. I should be the expert on swallowing and how it affects our whole body and our sleep. But I really didn't know a lot of these things. So I had to learn it. So I'm very passionate about telling parents how they can incorporate this knowledge into basically helping their children and, as you'll find, usually themselves through this journey. So it's it's quite exciting to learn this. And I've been able to see my kiddos go from having some crazy sensory needs to a much calmer sensory system. And we'll talk about that because it's not like it's just been me. It's been a whole interdisciplinary approach, which is a part of the positive aspect of this. But it's also, it it can be a negative because there is time required and expertise that you have to seek out. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. I'll just say that as you go through this journey, you're going to find people, hopefully like myself, that can help you walk through it and not get overwhelmed. When you get overwhelmed, use Laura's mama systems. They will help with the overwhelm (laughs) and with all the scheduling and keeping things organized. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into talking about why this is so important for kiddos. 
and why you really want to have this underlying awareness. As we think of, okay, you go through pregnancy, you've got the baby, you're so excited. Baby's going to be born and you just know it's all going to be perfect. You know, most people that I interact with, their dream is that baby's born and they start breastfeeding and it is a magical dyad. Everything is perfect between the two. However, if they come into my office, typically it's because that didn't work out and they're having issues. They're having issues with the latch. And so they'll go, I don't know what's going on. I saw the pediatrician. Pediatrician said everything was fine. I saw the dentist. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes, depending on the dentist, it didn't. So then they come to my office and they're like, I'm not sure what's going on. Can you help me? I take a look at baby's mouth. And often what I see is that they have a high vaulted palate. What that means is instead of it being nice and wide for the tongue to fit in the palate, to get that nice suck for their latch. Instead, it's gone really, really high. And so their tongue can't get up there. So they start to swallow a lot of air. They start to do this tongue thrusting motion, which I will say can be appropriate in little ones, depending on the reflexes. But I see it when it's not appropriate. And they start to have, they're just doing anything to get that swallow to go back. This in turn starts to shape their face more. Now I want to back up a step because I'm talking about babies. They've barely been in the world long enough for things to have affected them. So people go, I did everything right. What is happening? Like they, they were born last week. Why is this occurring? <laughs> you know, and, and I like to reiterate that we've been practicing our swallow since between the eight and 10 week mark in utero. We, it's, it's beautiful how the brain and the nervous system and the mouth will develop. But as that occurs, if we don't have what's called apoptosis, sorry, going into the science weeds a bit, I'll come out, I promise. But if we don't have what's called this organized cellular death of connective tissue during this critical time frame, so that eight to 10, even 12 weeks, depending on the literature, if we don't have it and that midline structure that tongue tie, if it doesn't go away, it's, it's tight. We should have a tongue that's connected to the mandible. So we're all going to have a frenum, which I will say, if you lift your tongue, it's going to be that kind of string that's in the middle. When it becomes a problem is if it's too thick and if it's too short and the tongue cannot get up all the way. So what happens is babies in utero, they now they're at 10 weeks and they didn't have that organized cell death to break down the excessive connective tissue at the midline. And so now they're stuck with this tongue that can't get all the way up. If it can't get all the way, uh-huh. Oh, why, why is that? Why wouldn't that happen in utero? So I will say that there, let me come back to that question. Okay. Let me finish talking about the physiology because I love that question. And I think it's fantastic. I think it gets it, us into an overarching problem that is much bigger than this discussion, but we need to go there as a society. I think we do. So I will just say what happens if that thick tissue that is, it's not allowing the tongue to get all the way up, then that tongue getting in the bone space in the palate is what shapes it. It's what makes it wide enough for the tongue to eventually fit up there and act as the braces for our face. It should be what shapes our dental arch. If the tongue isn't getting up there, baby is already swallow, swallowing in utero at 10 weeks. 
So what happens is the cheeks come in and they provide this huge amount of force, but the tongue is not reinforcing the structure of the palate. So instead that force of the cheeks pressing in provides a lot of pressure that shoots up into the palate. And so now the palate is going high because of this excessive force of that swallow in utero. They're already swallowing. They're already shaping things to go high. They're already taking space away from their nose. So baby travels along this swallow pattern. They come out, they already have a high vaulted palate and insufficient nasal breathing space. This is all of my children. Yes. (laughs) What what did I do wrong? We need to get to the other part. Okay. So I'm going to talk to that now (laughs) or talk about that right now. I will say that there is a lot of debate in regards to this. So you might get some hate mail in regards to what I'm about to say, but I do think if we look back, a great resource to read that doesn't talk about tongue ties, but talks about cranial growth is Breath by James Nestor. And if you look before the industrial revolution, we did not have these issues with the cranium, with the jaw being so narrow and small. We were able to fit our wisdom teeth in our mouth without an issue. We didn't have to get them removed because we needed these big open airways to eat food that had not been highly processed. We were not in the middle of eating food that had gone through some kind of refinement or machinery. We were eating things that were rough and required that bone, that strength. And we grow bone through that contact, that pressure. So we were reinforcing the strength and the growth of bone in our face every time we ate a meal. We also didn't have this, I I will say, if you go into, okay, well, London was super, it had all these toxins and whatever. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm going to say, again, pre-industrial revolution, when we're looking at the types of toxins people were exposed to, it was minimal compared to what we have right now in our houses and outside. So you go and you look at structurally what we were exposed to, you know, 500 years ago, we didn't have we had to use our bones to break through food and to eat. We also didn't have toxins that were taking up that cellular activation that they're now doing. Right now, we are not able to detoxify sufficiently and efficiently. And so we're, our body is going, okay, I'm just trying to keep up, keep up with the toxin load of all of these things that are coming and bombarding our system. So cellular activation, mitochondrial activation is not what it should be. So I will say it's multiple elements. It's going to be the structural input. We're not driving bone growth and the toxin input that is not letting cellular life really thrive all the way in utero. So that's where it's living. I know. And then we can get into genetics, MTHFR, genetic mutations. You know, we have, yep, yep. So we have a whole family, right? (laughs) So when you look at that, it, it, you, you don't methylate as well. So you're going to be absorbing. Your body doesn't have time to let you do this apoptosis business. It's too busy trying to methylate just for cellular activation elsewhere. Okay. And we're going to prioritize systemically. It's fine to have a tongue tie if it means that we get to grow our liver, you know, like those things are important. And so the body is utilizing all these methyl donors And it's not letting it go to that apoptosis that should occur. And the, you know, so we look at, okay, if someone had the MTHFR genetic mutation years and years ago, they could have kind of pressed through it because 
their toxin load wasn't what it is now. Everything we, that works uh-huh. for a hot minute. So I call this the yeah. um, mother effer gene, which, you know, <laughs> it, it does causes... look like that. When, yes. It does <laughs> like look like that. Um, yeah. Can you explain in the laymanest of terms, like we're, you're talking to five-year-old, what that is? So I will say we all have these genetic markers that tell our body basically on and off switches. We should have this on switch that goes, oh, it's okay. We can take, it's really impactful for methylfolate. So these specific B vitamins that we need, our body should have the switch on that says, I can use that. I can take B vitamins from that resource. I can take it from that. If you have the MTHFR genetic SNP, it's picky in how it will utilize those B vitamins. So, and again, I might get some hate mail for this, but I will say if you're exposed to folic acid, which is something that was, I think it was back in 2008, that they made it mandatory because they didn't want to have all of these neural tube deficiencies that occur as a result of vitamin B issues. They started infusing food with folic acid. If you have the MTHFR genetic SNP, you cannot utilize that readily and efficiently. And it can get in the way of you being able to genetically absorb it. So I will just say, think that your on off switch in the body is going, "Mm -mm, we can't use that one, send it back into the system. We can't use it. And if we're not getting those B vitamins elsewhere, it means you're going to be very, very deficient. And this is where we know we need those vitamins. And I'm, I, I'm speaking a bit out of my scope, so forgive me. I will say this is when I refer to someone like a a functional medicine dietitian because they're going to take a look and they're going to say, let's do the nutrigenomics testing or let's do the well neuro plus uh, testing and let's take a look at your genetic SNPs and your nutritional gut health to see what that gut brain axis looks like. Let's see, is it connected? Is it all working well together? Oh, it's not? Okay, let's address that. And unfortunately, it's not a, a quick fix. It's, it's usually we have to take a lot of things out. And these things, they act on our opiate receptors. You know, if you're taking a bunch, if you're eating a lot of gluten and dairy, these things, they send signals to the brain that really change neurotransmitter activation. So it's hard If you get the news, okay, you have the MTHFR genetic SNP, you should go ahead and pull gluten out of your diet. Know that it's going to be a couple of weeks of detox and and really some brutal behaviors. Hopefully it's not. Work with a dietitian to help you with the detox effect and all of that. So you don't run into that. But I will just say it can be tough to get through that. I That was the experience we had when, you know, I had a chiropractor who she, she was like, Karen D., you, cause I will say it was two weeks before my son had his scheduled tonsil and adenoidectomy, which means you take the tonsils and the adenoids out because they're so inflamed. He couldn't breathe, but I saw a chiropractor and she was like, I want you to listen to me. You're going to do this for eight weeks and we're going to try it. If by then things aren't any better then go ahead and do the surgery, but I want you to try it. Just try it. So I took those things out. It was so hard. My kiddo reacted because he was all of a sudden his brain that had been getting these little pumps of different of dopamine and all these things, dumps that were going in every time he had those little reward 
centers triggered, he didn't have them anymore. And he was feeling that deficit, but we pushed through, we helped him with detoxification again, because yay, we're the family of MTHFRs up here as well. So as we helped him with that, he became this calmer, more stabilized kiddo who was no longer dependent on that neurotransmitter input pumping all the time. As we worked on his tongue, getting that swallow up, he was able to also work on his own lymphatic system because we pump our our lymphatic system. It starts not just, you know, you tend to think of, okay, armpits or you know, breast lymph uh, nodes, all these things. And it's like, that's where we have those. No, you have them elsewhere. And we really start that pumping in the swallow. Okay. So as we helped him with that, he was able to detoxify more efficiently. So again, we're going back to that part is going to be that structure. So he's informing his system with structural changes to help him with those metabolic neurochemical issues that he has to get all those toxins out. I kind of went on a tangent. That's, That's okay. Okay. <laughs> so one of the reasons I adore Karen is she works so patiently with our kiddos and, you know, they all have like tongue ties and high palates and all the things. Right. And so she worked with us so long and so often to help get, I mean, over zoom, this, this woman's amazing, but she was just so passionate about our kids and their breathing and their behaviors and all the things that she wanted to help us in every way she could. So I, and forever indebted to her and how she served our family. Um, but she would work on these exercises with our kids that would teach them where to keep their tongue and how to swallow correctly and how to strengthen those muscles in the tongue and get that sensory input in the mouth so that other things would calm down. And I thought that it was so amazing, just like in hearing about the way that we get oxygen to our brains and like how we're sleeping and how they're like sleep apnea and all the, I mean, all the things that you taught me about that. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable, and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Um, what are like three main benefits of being able to keep your tongue in its spot and training it to do that? And the spot of a tongue, well, I'll let her tell you. Yes. And then also having that swallow down. That's like a good, healthy, healthy swallow. Absolutely. I love those questions. Okay. So I will say the three benefits of just getting that tongue placement where, so I want to say this that way, if someone's listening, I know with podcasts, I typically am listening. So I want someone who's doing the dishes or whatever to be able to do this. So I'm going to articulate it as clearly as I can. What I want everyone to do right now is lift the tip of their tongue, which is going to be that very end of the tongue towards the teeth. And they're going to first rub the teeth, the top two center teeth like that. So that way you find, okay, that's that outer boundary. 
So we don't want the tongue to be pushing past them. We don't want it going out of the mouth. Instead, we're going to slip our tongue back behind those two front center teeth. And there's a little pad up on the roof of the mouth. Look at you go, Laura. I've that is called the good job. It's <laughs> called the incisive papilla. Okay. In that little center spot, if you look, so I'm going to hold my tongue up again to show. So tongue tip two, we call it the spot. And it's just this little pad behind the two front central teeth. It is what tells our tongue, okay, that is the anchor and it informs the rest of the pressure for the swallow. So the primary reason it's important is it informs your saliva swallows and the the saliva swallows are what drive that cranial development and growth for the rest of your life. So it's going, I'm like, how do I make it just three points? There are so many, but I will say the first (laughs) one is that it drives your swallow. Okay. So anchoring your tongue tip to that spot makes it so you have a more efficient swallow. And I will just say that, you know, you don't notice how important it is, it is to have an actually efficient swallow until you're sick. Like this past weekend, I was with a friend who's battling cancer and just her whole system is, is downgraded right now. She's very weak. And it's one of those things. It killed me. I was like, why didn't I work on her or on this with her before? But we were able to get it there. And it made all the difference of her being able to discharge from the hospital, just getting that tongue placement to the spot. So I will say medically and from a strength standpoint, it makes all the difference if we're sick. And as we age, you know, I work with individuals in hospitals as well. And they'll, after a stroke, they don't know where the tongue doesn't know where to go. If you can get it to that spot, to the incisive papilla, it can drive the oral phase swallow. So it's so much more efficient. So people are able to upgrade their diet from like a liquid or, or thickened liquid to thins. It's, it's, it's so important. So I will say it drives your swallow. Second, we have a, that incisive papilla is a whole reception of sensory neurons. It, it sends signals up to the brain for proprioceptive input. So it tells us where our body is in relation to space. So if you get your tongue up there, it's able to go, okay, am I falling? Where am I? So In individuals who've had a lot of vestibular issues, let's say they've gone through chemo and um, burned through their cochlea and the the semicircular canals, this happens often. And they, they, they no longer have that sort of sense of where they are in space. If I can get them to rest their tongue on that spot, they have a totally different awareness and, and that vertigo is able to be just downplayed so much more and we can work on things like, and then the PT can work on gates and all these other things. So I'll just say, know that it has that much of an input to the signal that it can help you with balance to that degree. So it tells us, isn't that crazy? It also sends signals to really the serotonin receptors of, oh, we're going to be happy. This We're getting these needs met. That's why kiddos, they suck their thumb. They're going to do all of these behaviors, sucking on a blanket. You know, I can look in a mouth and go, what are they sucking on at home? And, you know, parents will be like, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. And I'm like, I can see the ridges of a shirt. And they're like, oh, every night they sleep in this certain shirt. And you can see they put it up there and they suck on it. And they're just trying to get that input because 
those so that that sensory system, but also it drives our, our cranial sacral rhythms. So we respirate the cranium. That means even though the bones they're they're sutured together, there's still are little spaces between the bones. So up here, here, and it should be rhythmically moving. And when we have our tongue resting there, we provide that solid space for it to generate the movement from. It helps us with that cerebral spinal flow of getting that, okay, the cranium is moving rhythmically and I'm not feeling lost in space. And my brain is able to generate and move that cerebral spinal fluid as it should. So I will say, this is why sometimes if I see a kiddo is having a lot of difficulty getting their tongue tip to the spot to rest it up there, they might be having pelvic floor dysfunction because that cerebral spinal fluid is so tied in and it plays such a big part that sometimes I'll be like, okay, I actually want them to see a PT and work on that and then come back to me because we've got to address that dysfunction of the pelvic floor. Um, let me get back to you. So how can we swallow? That is going to be bring your tongue tip up to that spot behind your two front teeth. Uh-huh. And then the back of the tongue. So the tongue is the coolest. It's hydrostatic, which means it can fill with that fluid and move. It's not just like muscles in general. It can actually elevate and change vertically as well as horizontally in shape to fill that space. And that's how we swallow is it's the tongue. You've got the tip up behind those two front teeth. And then those muscles, they move back. And it's that pressure as we shift the the fluid or the food down the center of the tongue and the tongue muscles are activating and pushing it back. And it's that pressure force that we generate that swallows back. So it's, it, it does, I guess, sound kind of complicated, but really what it is, is the tongue tip goes up, the middle of the tongue will follow it. The back of the tongue follows it as well. During that force, the food and the saliva is moving down back into the throat for the rest of the swallow. So, it's so important. Do you feel like you understood <laughs> or I could break it down a little bit more? Do you feel like you understand that one? Well, I definitely, I definitely understand because I feel like you've taught me cool. so much already. Um, uh, so my next question for you is when parents are like, I'm hearing you talk and I've, we've been in speech therapy for years and they've never covered any of this. It wasn't until we met you that it was like, oh, oh, a swallow could be a problem or tongue tie could be a problem that could be affecting their behavior. What could be affecting their sleep? What? Like just baffled that no one, I feel like no one is educated in this. So how would I know I need to go seek out someone else and how would I find that someone else? So some good red flags to look for is going to be a noxious oral habit. So that's going to be that your kiddo is chewing on things that they shouldn't be, that they're sucking on their hand or their thumb that they have to soothe with oral fixation input. Like they cannot calm down without chewing something, without getting that in, which I see this in adults. You know, we have stress eating. It's a thing. It's a real thing. And it's really nice how taking care of that swallow pattern can reduce that. But I will say, so looking for that, that they cannot calm without some kind of input to their mouth, that means the tongue is not doing its job. If they used a pacifier past six months of age, they're probably going to need to see an oral facial myofunctional therapist 
or a feeding specialist to help because that palate is going to be high. If they have a tongue thrust swallow, so what that means is that the tongue pushes out through the teeth rather than pulling back. And that we tend to see with the tongue tie because the tongue tip, the tongue tip might rest to the spot, but the rest of the tongue can't follow because it's tethered down. So the only way that that kiddo is going to clear the food or the saliva is that they have to push their tongue forward and that gets the bulk of the back of the tongue to finally get up closer to the palate and they clear the food that way. It's not like anyone's doing this intentionally. You know, the kiddos are just trying to survive and do their best that they can. So that's why they're swallowing that way. So if you see the tongue sticking out, if they're a messy eater, a noisy eater, they should be seen. If they cannot breathe through their nose, ding, 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 they need to be seen. And if the pediatrician says, "Mm, they'll grow out of it, please go see someone else. Get a second opinion. It's, And I will say, it's not that anyone is doing this to be mean. No one is doing this to be unkind. There is just, you know, people are siloed in their specialties and they don't understand this whole body integration and connection of the tongue, of the nervous system, of the swallow and how it impacts the rest of life. So those things looking at just if you see something, one dentist, she said that this is how she refers people to me. She sees something funny with their face. She sends them to me. There you go. It's really funny. I know. I thought it was pretty good. I'm like, I would love to see these funny pictures. I, well, it, if something's just off, you can look and go, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Send that person to us, to SLPs who are trained in orofacial myofunctional disorders or their RDHs and uh, which is registered dental hygienists. If they're over the age of four, they can see them. So go ahead and send them in. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, yes, it's that time and the money, but it's worth it over the long haul to change their sleep patterns. And as we see this in adults, you know, we might have, you know, parents that are listening to this call that go, oh, wait, I swallow that way. I breathe that way. And I bet they have anxiety. They, they probably have fought with depression sleep issues, these things happen. And it can be like, what is going on? My life is fine. Why am I feeling this way? And it's the result of not getting that sufficient, really air, cerebral spinal fluid pumping, all of those movements. They're very important for whole nervous system connection. You know me, I could keep going. So I'll stop. Yeah. I mean, so good. There's so much information. What if people want to learn more about what you do, or even just want to kind of figure out more about any of this, how can they find you so you can help them? So I will say that they can reach out to me on online on Instagram or my website, which is myohacker, M-Y-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-S-L-P.com. And that's because I'm not just a myofunctional therapist. I'm also what's called a biohacker. That means I like to utilize new and upcoming technologies to help me decrease the treatment time. And let's, you know, let's see if this kiddo is not getting these things. So I just like to clarify, that's why it's called myohackerslp.com. And I have a free guide on there that will talk about some different strategies if you're having difficulty with nasal breathing, because there are certain things that you can try 
that you might not hear from the ENT or from the pediatrician. Um, they can also take a look at IAOM. That is going to be the International Association of Oral Facial Myofunctional Disorders. And that's going to be, so just IAOM.com. And yeah, all they, these links in the bottom. So yeah, exactly. And, and just do, you can do a Google search for myofunctional therapist near me. And that will pop up different people. So you want to find someone who has been trained in these specific things. Look to see that they talk about tongue ties, airway, same thing with a dentist. You can find an airway-centric dentist. And these people, they'll know about sleep, know about tongue ties. If they don't, go find someone else. Amen. Yes. Also, I will say one more place is if you have a provider who does want to learn more, or if you yourself are a provider... Um, depending on the date of when you hear this podcast next month, so it's going to be April 30th through May 1st, we're actually going to be doing a course out in Orange County where we'll do some deep dives into fascia, tongue ties, how to optimize the system, when to do a tongue tie release, when not to, and it's going to be phenomenal. I'm so excited. It's an integrative approach. We'll have an IBCLC and midwife, chiropractor, dentist, and myself presenting. So they can find out more. At Aviara, it's A-V-I-A-R-A dot com. And I hope that they can join. It, it'll be a blast, I think. I love that. I'm so proud of you. I love the work I, that I, you do. I love this stuff. It's so great. You're so wonderful. Thank you for coming on today, Karen D. Absolutely. You have an amazing day and keep helping all these families. We so need it. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.